I went on set with a K-pop band. Uh, it has been really hard to get placement for K-pop artists in mainstream publications and radios. It made me like really, really uncomfortable. Viewer discretion is advised. Your fave will be criticized. That's Chris. That's Shan. And we are CCTV, the nonstop pop show. And today we are speaking to Lori Verdu, a music publicist for K-pop, K-indie, and other global music artists. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Looking for an awesome global pop music podcast? Chris and I have the inside scoop with extensive experience performing on stage and working at record labels. We review and deep dive into your favorite artists' songs and careers and also interview music industry professionals, including artists, producers, choreographers, and everything in between. Join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash cctvpops and become a part of our amazing crew, including Lisette, Lily, Emily, Kevin, and Juliet. And subscribe now and let's explore the world of pop music together. Yes, and today we are joined by music publicist Lori Verdu. Welcome, Lori. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes. Would you like to give a quick intro to our audience? Yes. So my name is Laurie, as you said. I'm from France and I'm currently working as a music publicist. Awesome. And for those that don't know, what does a music publicist do? What does a day in your life look like? So I'm a music publicist, but you can be a publicist in different fields. But for me, it means that I'm helping artists with everything related to promoting music, from getting articles, interviews to radio airplay or playlist placement. I also get to work with some venues and festivals if they have a concert that they want to promote and bring more people. Uh, a day in my life, well, it's definitely <laughs> a lot of emails sent every day. Uh, if I'm starting a new campaign, I have to write a press release for that. Uh, depending on the artist, if they are new or already established, I may have to write a biography for them. Uh, then I have always have to source new media, you know, journalists, radio stations and playlists and find the journalists and radio contacts. Nice. So how did you get started in publicity in the music industry? Uh, okay, so it wasn't a smooth start for me at all. I always wanted to work in the music industry, so I got a bachelor's degree and a master's degree accordingly. Uh, it was related to booking because I always loved going to concerts, so I wanted to do that at first. But I knew no one in the industry in, in my country, in France. So I was only offered, you know, unpaid internships or some sort of training, which is okay for a few months, but not for years when you have to pay your bill. Uh, so I had a lot of unstable positions for some time. And surprisingly for me, things took a turn when I went to Korea. So before going to Korea, I was doing a booking. And after going to Korea, uh, I can explain you a, a bit more about that uh, later on. But um, I went to study music production there and I ended up doing PR. 
Wow. So that's when everything started for me with uh, PR there. Awesome. That's really cool. So you wanted to get into music production. Are you still pursuing that potentially? Or are you kind of just like, no, like publicity is where I want to be? Well, since high school, I, I have been interested in so many different fields of the music industry. Like I wanted to be a journalist at first, and then I was interested in booking and I did some marketing for a label and PR. I like music production, but that's more of a hobby for me. Uh, even if I went to Korea to study music production, I just, I felt like it was the right timing for me to do that, but I never intended to really work in production. Mm. And I love PR. So <laughs> for now, I want to keep doing that. Oh, that's so awesome. Wow. I love PR. That's a great sentence. You know, a lot of music industry people feel like, oh, do I love my job? But it's good that you that you still care about it because after a while when you work in it, you start to think, hmm, is this something that I still want to do? So yeah, Chris, Chris used to work at a, a huge label here in um, the US and I worked for a Korean label as a publishing assistant um, and also the same label that he worked for. But I'm a recording artist. So I was like, oh, my heart wasn't in it. But your heart is obviously in it. And since you are a fan of music and you mentioned Korea, are you a K-pop fan? And if so, how long have you been a K-pop fan? And how did you start working with Korean artists? So actually, I'm not really a K-pop fan. Like I know some groups and I, I like what they do, but I don't call myself a fan. It, everything came naturally. Um, so I, as I said, I wanted to do this music production course. I wanted to know more about one music software in particular. Uh, it's uh, Pro Tools, so it's used mm. in the studio. So I looked into my options, and mm. of course, I could do that in France. But the way they are doing that training in France is like intensive for two days. Like you just study, Oof. and then at the end of the two days, you take the exam. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I would probably fail because I need time to study and practice. <laughs> right. So, um, and I wasn't, I, I didn't have a full-time job at the time. So I thought that's the right timing for me to to do that. And I looked at different schools and I contacted a bunch of different schools worldwide. And in the end, it was between Korea and the USA. But I went to Korea a few years before that. So I said, okay, that's something I know. And for a few months, that's going to be okay. And so I did. And uh, my course wasn't full-time. And I don't like, you know, not doing anything. I need to be busy all the time. So I thought, (laughs) okay, I'm going to find an internship. And I sent like hundreds of emails. I'm not kidding. And one label answered. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, so I, I did an internship with them for three months. And, you know, when you you are um, in a workplace, then you meet other people. And that's how everything started for me to work with more Korean artists. Oh, wow. awesome. Wow. That's a big <laughs> that's a big journey for sure. Um, So that's interesting. So yeah. what music did you grow up listening to? What are some of your favorite genres and artists? Uh, electronic music. Yeah. And unfortunately, at the moment, I'm not really working with electronic music artists or producers like that. So hopefully in the future. Yes, let's manifest for yes. sure. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely love, uh, you know, in France, we have so many uh, DJ and producers. And like, I, I love Madeon. I don't know if you know him, probably. Yes. 
or you, you don't know maybe the pronunciation. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would absolutely love to work with him or Daft Punk, but they just yeah. it, so <laughs> that was a sad time for me. Um, speaking of Western or not even Western, Western artists versus Korean artists, how has your experience been working with Korean artists as a non-Korean person? Uh, so I'm just going to speak about my experience, uh, which is really personal and it's probably not the same for everyone. Um, I was really lucky because I worked with really friendly and understanding people. So uh, my Korean wasn't and is not perfect. But anyway, we, we managed. And um, so I was hired to promote artists outside of Korea. So of course, I needed to communicate with the Korean team. But I was mostly in touch with people outside of Korea. So that wasn't an issue. Um, but it was really interesting there because um, even if it's Korea, depending on the music genre, things are done differently. I worked with a Korean percussion band, a pop rock band, some K-pop artists, R&B artists. And so like I, I can see how they do things differently. And uh, so that was actually really surprising because I had no idea. And I could really see the difference when I attended some uh, music video shooting. Mm. I went on set with a K-pop band. Uh, I'm not going to say the name because of what I'm going to say after, just in case I want to be in trouble. <laughs> uh, but they don't exist anymore. So, yeah. Mm. <laughs> wow. Um, but so I went on set and I felt that other people were judging me, like giving me weird looks. Mm -hmm. I was the only foreigner. So, okay, that can be a reason. Um, but it made me like really, really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And during lunch break, things went worse. It's mm -hmm. like everyone got their plate and then everyone was on their respective corner. And But, you know, even with the, the Korean staff, they weren't really talking to each other. So the mood was like super weird <laughs> and I didn't <laughs> really like that. And uh, because K-pop artists uh, care a lot about their image, it takes super long to film a music video mm. because you need to stop every yeah. 30 seconds because, you know, they cannot have any sweat. You need to adjust their makeup and their hairstyle. That was really, really long. <laughs> but... On the opposite, I had the best experience ever with uh, Hypo Entertainment. So that's the company I did internship with. Uh, they had this new artist called uh, Sashiran, but mm -hmm. she changed her name now to Bini, if you want to check her. She's really cool. Mm -hmm. um, so she was filming the video for her debut song. And so that was the first time I was going on set with a Korean company. The whole staff there was amazing. They did their best to speak with me and get to know me. And so it wasn't K-pop. She's more uh, doing indie and R&B music. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. uh, and the label wasn't that much into like the image and everything being perfect. It was more chill. Uh, so it's really enjoyable. And uh, yes, yeah, so I just, I just loved it with them. Yeah, that's interesting. Do you see that as kind of more the difference then between the genres more so than just the cultural difference then? I think so. From what I've felt, yes. So you have worked with artists from many different countries. 
So I guess more kind of just big picture, what are some of the differences you've known working with Western music industry artists then? There are many things to say, but uh, there is one main thing from my experience and it's actually making my work way harder with Korean artists and label Mm. because they are really afraid about a song or information being leaked before the actual release. Yeah. Mm. So they usually don't want publicists to reach out to journalists uh, before the release date. And it has been an issue for me because I got a lot of journalists telling me, hey, I, I need the song at least one week before the release. So no, we're, we're not going to collaborate together. So uh, that that's a bit frustrating because you miss some cool opportunities. Um, but that that's how they want to do so I'm just following what they want to do wow uh but so I worked with uh big companies like Warner Music or Sony in Korea and in Europe and you know it's the same company but they deal with that differently so yeah you know Koreans they are really strict about like they, they will always tell me oh, okay we're sending you the picture or we're sending you the song but please make sure you keep it confidential before the release and but in Europe, like they, they don't care because they know that we need to contact journalists like usually two weeks before the release date. Yes. Mm-hmm. I definitely ran into this too at the label. We we tried to find opportunities and no one would send us anything or even tell us about the song. <laughs> it was really, really difficult. Yeah. And yeah, it it ended up just being a really hard communication because the Korean labels weren't happy with the opportunities that we were finding for them, but then we couldn't find them anything because they weren't following kind of the things that we needed. So yeah, totally understand that for sure. My daily life. (laughs) (laughs) When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, So getting a little bit more specific now, can you tell us the process of promoting a K-pop group or an artist and what goes into creating that successful strategy, that perfect strategy? Um, I always adapt myself to the artist and labels needs uh, because I can offer worldwide campaigns in press, radio, and playlists. But, um, you know, sometimes they just want to focus on a few countries or uh, they just want some press ahead of a tour or just airplay or more streams so I would do playlisting in that case um, actually lately I feel that Korean artists and labels realize that DSPs like Spotify or Apple are widely used outside of Korea because you mm-hmm. know in Korea they have their own DSPs that we cannot use outside of Korea um, so they are trying to increase their reach there um, and Spotify is pretty new in Korea and I'm getting more and more requests from labels to work on that. Mm. Uh, but I would say that overall, I define the strategy with them and every campaign is different because everyone wants different things. Um, mm. So it's all depending on their their goals. Um, but, but to create a successful campaign, um, there are some things that 
unions. One thing that Koreans know, but that's not the case for Western artists, is that you need to have good-looking promotional images. Um, That's fine with Koreans because they care a lot about their image, but I had so many Western artists sending me selfies and telling me, use that (laughs) for the promotion. And then they're like, oh, why didn't I make it in like Wonderland or Notion? Yeah. Because they don't want selfies, you know? (laughs) So so yeah, yeah, you need to have proper promotional materials. Mm -hmm. And that may be silly to say, but you need to have uh, good songs with a proper quality and uh, good mixing and mastering. Mm-hmm. which again is natural when you're working with Korean artists, but it is not with Western artists. Yeah. I work for a, I work for a, a, another music show and we get submissions from other artists. And sometimes the artists really do just send in like photos and the top of their heads are cut off or like their hand is cut off. And I think to myself, like, why? But there really isn't any kind of like artist development on an indie level, really. Uh, like in K-pop, it's definitely a lot different. But like on an indie level, it's tough to do artist development for sure. <laughs> for yeah. sure. I mean, to me, that just makes sense that you need to have good pictures. If they are going to be on the internet, you want to look good, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. That goes to say, that goes to kind of like show about what's going on with like the West. Like here in the West, we like that whole like, they came from their mother's house making music in their bedroom. And they're very organic as opposed to like the polished, uh, image from like maybe like the 90s or like early 2000s where we had all these acts being like absolutely gorgeous magazine ready poster ready now it's more about oh my gosh like how relatable can this person be like on tiktok and um on and instagram and such so with that strategy strategy that you just mentioned how do you balance traditional media like magazines and new age media like influencing with tiktok and all the other uh sns sites um that's a tricky one because it's uh, based on what the artists and companies uh, want and are willing to do. Uh, with new age media, there are so many opportunities, uh, new opportunities. And I feel that with Korean companies, from my experience, at least the, the people I'm working with, they are not necessarily um, willing to work on that or maybe they are afraid or they feel that they don't need that. Um like just an example, there are a lot of YouTube influencers and there's potential to do uh, videos with them, but it can be interviews or concept videos. Um, I, I did one in the past. I was working with um, Chili Music Korea with their band called April 2nd. And so we did a cool video with this Brazilian publication. It was April 2nd reacts to Brazilian pop rock bands. Mm-hmm. It was it was really nice because it helped them. It really helped them to get more fans in Brazil. The, the video got like over, I think it was 80,000 views. And they weren't even getting that on their music video. So it was huge. Wow. But, I mean, it, it was an indie label. And they knew that they had to open themselves to new markets because Korea wasn't enough for them. But a lot of labels don't want to do that. Um, so for for some artists and labels, they just want people to write articles about them or mm. play their songs, and mm. that's it. Um, 
I'm, I'm getting a lot of interview requests all the time and they just turn them down a lot. Um, so that's still in the work. (laughs) Interesting. Do you think that's also a schedule thing as well? Like we always hear about, especially in Korea, like those artists are always training or they're recording a song that comes out in three years. (laughs) They're filming a music video for like three songs. Like they're just, their, their schedule is so packed and planned out for years. Um, so is that an aspect as well? How has it been kind of dealing with that? Uh, for big companies and big artists that can be, but for the artists I'm working with, um, they're a bit smaller. That is not the reason. Um, I had a K-pop band uh, refusing a lot of interviews, video interviews, because um, they didn't have that many promotion going on in Korea, so they weren't going to music shows like that. So it would cost them money to pay for stylists and mm. makeup artists and hairdressers. Yeah. And they weren't, I was about to say weren't willing, but I think maybe they just couldn't afford to do that just for uh, videos. Yeah. Mm. So that definitely to take into account. Uh, I, I had recently, I worked with one uh, small rising uh, R&B artist, Korean. And yeah, he, he didn't have the budget at all for that. He didn't want to, I got some people asking me to to see if he could record some videos for them. And it's not that he didn't want to, but he wanted them to be perfect. Mm. And he just couldn't afford it. Uh-huh. My heart goes out <laughs> to him. Like, no, seriously, as an indie artist, Western or otherwise, it is difficult to, to make music. It costs so much money, yeah. especially for that high quality that everyone's looking for. So... I'm sorry to him and everyone else. I feel your, I feel everyone's pain. Yeah, that's really, really <laughs> tough. Um, and especially with music in general being such a saturated market now as yeah. well. And I think PR in general, it's kind of hard to have quantitative measurements of how successful yeah. a campaign is. So how do you measure the success of your campaigns that you work on? I would say with how many placements they can get. Mm-hmm. That counts, but uh, also we can see uh, after a campaign how many uh, um, streams a song gets or if there's a music video, how many uh, views there are mm-hmm. by the end of the campaign. Um, recently, one thing that I've noticed is if the artist is a bit uh, bigger and more popular, I will have more interview requests. So I thought that the more interview requests I get and the more successful the campaign is, um, because if if they don't really like the music or uh, the mm-hmm. artist is too small, then not really going to bother uh, asking for an interview. So, yeah, I would say that. But it's it's hard. I don't have any definite answer. We have a lot of questions from uh, a couple of our crew members, and they were wondering... Uh, about your job and curious about how things work for you. So we have questions submitted by DJ Peter Lowe from the amazing K-pop cast as well. So thank you, Peter, for some of these questions. Um, And he says, it is often said that a lot of K-pop journalism is access journalism. With the coverage often being very positive and biased, what are your thoughts on this and how does it affect the smaller labels and artists that you work with? If you think about it in general, even outside of K-pop, if a journalist doesn't like a song, they won't really bother covering the release. Of course, there are some exceptions with big publications where they also have to uh, talk about a song or an album if they 
didn't like it and gave their honest opinion. Mm-hmm. But uh, K-pop or not, because uh, yeah, I'm, I'm working with other Western artists. Um, if people don't like it, they're just not gonna cover the song. Mm. So I saw that actually it's helping me that uh, uh, K-pop journalists are also K-pop fans. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now, open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Yeah, and with K-pop fans especially, I mean, I think it is the case worldwide with social media and everything. Fans are a lot more vocal now than they could have been 10, 20 years (laughs) ago. But K-pop fans especially can be quite demanding. Um, So how do you balance the needs of the K-pop group and artists and what you feel is right for them with the demands of the fans and their expectations? Well, the fans of our, uh, in the K-pop industry, they are really needy. They want to see their artists. Um, <laughs> so that's why they are requesting a lot of, uh, you know, video interviews and this, mm-hmm. this kind of things. And um, Korean companies and artists have a hard time to understand that, um, at least outside of uh Korea, so um, I, I realized that it can be um, frustrating for for them when artists don't really meet their demands. Um, but I mean, I don't know about that question. I just don't feel concerned that much about it. Oh yeah, good for you. In the daily life, so yeah, yeah, That's good for great. you because honestly, yeah, because honestly, some people feel like they're being like you know, oh, if I don't please the fans, then but at the end of the day, like you know, K-pop is a business. We have to figure out what works for the budget. We have to figure out what works for the artists especially if you're working with smaller yeah. artists. We can't sit there and just do, like you said, all these interviews. If they can't afford the yeah. makeup artists and the time that it takes to rent the studio, to there's a lot of things that go into play that I don't think a lot of K-pop fans or even just regular fans in general take into consideration, especially with companies. We have a certain budget and there's like yeah. 5,000 members in the group or like even just three. It costs money to style three people to make up hair you know, so and on top of that, priorities. What are our priorities? What are our goals we're trying to hit? So that makes a lot of sense. And good for you for not working. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I have a lot of more. I, I'm friends with a lot of K-pop journalists. And if they, you know, if fans don't like one word that they used or if mm-hmm. they're unhappy about a tiny thing, they, they get a lot of hate um, across the socials. So that's really good that, that you're not too affected by that, for sure. Not at all. I guess it's because I'm working with Muller and indie artists. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? That's good. That's a little training ground. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, so I'm glad you're not taking in any of that negativity from fans that could come at times. <laughs> um, but yeah, so what are some of your favorite stories from your work so far? You've shared some like little anecdotes here and there, but are there any positive, negative stories that you want to share or any horror stories that you're willing to let us know about? <laughs> um, I have a funny, I mean, that was funny for me and not ready for the artist uh, story to share. Uh, so again, that's with April 2nd. So they were really willing to uh, to do video interviews. Uh, and uh, so I got in touch with two Brazilian influencers. They were living in, in Seoul, or they are still living in Seoul at the time. I have no idea. Um, 
Uh, but yeah, we, we did an in-person interview. We rented a nice studio in Seoul. And uh, so I got to attend the recording. So that was uh, really nice. Um, but keep in mind, it was maybe 9 or 10 p.m. Uh, it was late. Um, the guys did the interview. It went well. It was probably 30 minutes. Uh, their, their answers were really uh, funny. Uh, so, because they didn't get the questions beforehand, so everything was really natural. Mm. And when it was done, the two girls realized that the camera wasn't filming. So they had to do it all over again. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <That's>... Oh, no. <laughs> well, hopefully the ending video still turned out well. <laughs> yeah, I guess it wasn't as spontaneous as the first time, but it's still ended up nicely and but you know the the two girls that were feeling like really really bad but fortunately mm. it was with april 2nd and they all they were really kind or really understanding maybe if it was without a, a k-pop company uh, uh-huh. they could have been upset but mm. that wasn't the case oh that's good okay and uh sorry story I and mean, that's a horror story for me maybe not uh for you but i I've been doing some freelance for uh, a British PR company, music PR company. Um, and we had those uh, people who had to get in touch with artists and get them to sign contracts. And then they would introduce me to the artist and I would be the one in charge of running the campaign. Mm-hmm. And I had, um, so I, I got one email one day, like, oh, you're going to work with that artist. And I got like all the information when the campaign is starting and the the song, some information about the song and about the release date, it said that the song was already out. I thought, okay, that's a bit weird. Usually we don't really want to do that. But so I clicked on the link and so it happened this year, so 2023. Mm-hmm. The song was released in January 2020. So that was what over three years. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me? Uh, because for some journalists, even three months is too old to promote a song. Yeah. So uh. I talked to the the head of the company and I told her what is going on here. And she was like, oh, yeah, I'm so sorry. I cannot believe that. Uh, but anyway, we told the artist, so you're doing it. Really? <laughs> okay. No. Okay. I'm, oh, yes, I'm doing it. Oh no, that's terrible. What? So you just like made a whole pitch to all these journalists and were like, hey, listen, the song is from three years ago, but like, how do you, how do you work around that? Oh my God. Honestly, I, I didn't send it to journalists. I don't know. I just got in touch with a few journalist friends and I just, can we do something? Can mm. you help me? Yeah, we'll help you in the future. Just let's help each other here. Good for you. Because, I mean, if I, if I contact journalists and I, I send them, a song that was released three years ago. It's also my my image and my reputation. That that's not serious at all. Mm-hmm. So no, I couldn't do that. Wow, good for you. I mean, wow. well, not good for you, but like good for you for figuring it out. Yeah. Like, oh my god, they could have at least <sighs> given you a new remix or something. Something <laughs> like a remaster. Yes. Like I don't know. <laughs> oh my god. It's like oh, I released that song three years ago. It didn't really work, so I'm gonna try it again now. If no one really knew about it, just pull it off. And put it back on. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah. Make it look yeah. new. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Exactly. Oh, 
Oh, Jesus oh, Christmas. Wow. Okay, well, I guess kind of related, but not really. But there's always scandals when it comes to artists, um, and especially in K-pop as well. So what is your strategy when handling these types of crises and scandals? So fortunately, and so far, I've never had to deal with that. So I cannot really answer that one. But I think that's a good thing for me. But this is true. Hypothetically, though, how would one get in front of that? How would you spin it? Or what kind of techniques would you use to kind of, I guess, you know, uh, crisis manage if the situation were to arise? Um, I guess it depends uh, about the scandal and what's the issue. Um, with K-pop, we have a lot of bullying issues, you know, in high school like that. I'm, I'm saying that a lot. Uh, I mean, that that's really hard to recover from that, I guess. Uh, Maybe uh, trying to, to do an exclusive interview with a journalist so that the, mm. the audience could um, explain their side of the story. Um, but again, it, it really depends on the scandal. And even if that's one of my clients, if the person did something really wrong, mm-hmm. I, I may not be able to save the person and I might not want to. Wow. Mm. Good for you. Well, thank you for that, because I think a lot of people don't know, like, <laughs> all you have to do is just fix it. They need a PR team. They do have a PR team. <laughs> So-and-so is just that deep, deep in the dirt right now. You can't get them. <laughs> Speaking to that, uh, you know, you do have to talk to different publications, right? So o- outside of scandals, uh, what are some barriers you face when you're trying to find coverage opportunities for Korean artists? Are there competition with other publicists? And how do you make your pitches stand out for your artists? I don't know why, and I think it's coming from the image we have of uh, K-pop fans, but in Europe, K-pop has quite a negative image. So uh, it has been really hard to get placement for K-pop artists in mainstream publications and radios that are not, you know, just dedicated to K-pop, but covering music in general. Mm. Uh, Because um, in Europe, just like in the US, we have Rolling Stone, MTV, these types of media, but it's really hard to get them to cover um, K-pop. Last year, I was invited um, as a guest speaker at a conference talking about K-pop and marketing, and that was in France. And there was um, another guy with me. He's organizing K-pop tours in France. And um, she was also talking about how K-pop is seen really negatively in, in Europe. Uh, because if you talk about K-pop, like I, if I talk about K-pop with uh, my friends who don't listen to K-pop or my family, they're just going to have the image of crazy fans that, you know, you oh. see on the news when oh. something crazy happens mm-hmm. or like, oh. you know, like okay. the really extreme and crazy fans. Um, okay. So mainstream publications don't really want to get involved with that. Oh, okay. I was going to ask you what that was about because I, oh, wow. I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense. But. That's not great. Yeah, I think globally, K-pop is still very niche. I think if you're not in it, it's actually still very hard to get people to even give it a chance. And even sometimes yes. if they hear a song and you're like, oh, that's K-pop, it's seen as like, really? Like, it's all it's mm-hmm. such a surprise that it's actually pretty good. Um, yeah. yeah. What are some ways that you've had to navigate that then? Fortunately for me, there are a lot of... Um, K-pop publications and radio stations or, you know, uh, media covering uh, Asian artists in general. So uh, that helps. 
Um, and I found that journalists in the U.S. are a bit more open to talking about K-pop. Mm. Uh, um, I- even the big ones like, you know, Billboard or Enemy. Um, recently, we did something with uh, Fox 13 mm. uh, or Consequence of Sound. And um, for, for any artist, that's really hard to get placement there. So even more for Korean artists. So uh, it was a really cool achievement. I was actually proud of myself. Uh, but for some reasons, for now, that's not something I achieved to do in, in Europe or in, mm. in France or like in the UK, um, getting placement on more general publications or radio stations. Hmm. How do you make your pitches stand out then? Like what what helps you break through all that, all the K-pop influx of like, oh, listen to my artist, listen to my artist, listen to my artist. How do you make your artist stand out? For now, like publications, they don't really receive a lot of K-pop pitches. Mm. So um, that that helps uh, because um, from my experience again and with the people I'm working with at the moment, um, they're slowly opening themselves to the Western world. Um, and they so far, you know, they did already... Uh, bother contacting journalists or radio outside of Korea. So um, I got, I usually get great responses, even if I'm reaching out to a journalist or a, a radio host for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, again, not on big ones, but <laughs> or unless that's um, a journalist, you know, like uh, everywhere I already mentioned, Enemy uh, or Billboard, you know, all those publications, they have uh, one or a few uh, journalists dedicated to covering Asian artists. So they Mm. are usually really open to uh, receive K-pop pitches. Yeah, we we are not a lot in the PR scene. Um, So I guess that that helps Um, because so far it was mostly, you know, labels, if they wanted to try something outside of Korea, they would have someone in-house contacting the journalist and the radio or uh, playlist curators. Uh, but it didn't really do that much. Uh, it's slowly changing, and I guess they they slowly realize that it's actually um, important to get some popularity outside of Korea because the Korean market is not enough to survive. Because as you said before, the K-pop industry is really saturated. What are some trends that you're seeing in ways that artists are being promoted? What are some new things that you've had to do to kind of give them as many opportunities as possible? So it's not really a trend, but uh, talking from the, the Korean point of view, um, when they work with me, for them to have the feeling that the campaign was uh, successful, uh, they like to have placement, a lot of placements in the U.S. So uh, if possible, big publications or, uh, you know, some TV shows. Um, so it's, it's a lot about the USA. Mm. Um, like recently, I, I worked with Warner Music Korea um, and they asked me to contact some publications. Like, I, I don't know why they really wanted to get in a Pitchfork. So they're really trying to get themselves known in those types of publications. Okay. Um, yeah, but if... I think about it from my French and European point of view. Um, 
for European artists as well to say that you made it, you need to make it in the U.S. and be famous in the U.S. Right. Right. That's the usual kind of thing. I remember in Korea, there was yeah. a show or at least they tried to pitch the show called Kill Bill. Uh, and it was like about okay. making like a competition between a, a certain kind of artists. I forget. But their whole goal was to all challenge each other. And whoever had the top song would get like pitched into Billboard. And the whole sense was like to kill Billboard, oh. to be the top Billboard artist. So, yeah, I think that whole idea of like making it out in the U.S. is like, what? Oh, you did it. Um, so it, it is yeah. it is tough for sure. Um, and sometimes when you're a newer artist, like your artists that you work with now, Trend Z, it's difficult, right, to break them in because no one knows who they are. And you're kind of just going off the yeah. fact that they're Korean pop boys, you know? So <laughs> congratulations on the new release, Blue Set Chapter with Trend Z and their album, New Days. So let's talk about your work with them so far. What is your strategy for them, both domestically and internationally? So they already had some popularity in South America because they collaborated with one uh, publication, I think, from Brazil. So the strategy with Global Age, their company, uh, was that they decided to hire me because uh, they knew that I've been working with different uh, people worldwide. And they wanted me to target new countries that they couldn't do on their own because they didn't have the contacts there. Uh, so with them, we are focusing on press and radio airplay in Europe, North America, and Southeast Asia. Because that's that's what they wanted. Uh, again, I adapted myself based on their needs. It's uh, also the first time that the company reaches out to me first and I don't have to contact them. They they oh. found me through my work. So yes. that's really exciting. <laughs> yes, good for you. That's when you know that's, you're moving up as well. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. That's exciting. Oh my goodness. I've been noticing, like looking at their social media, like they do the usual Selkas and their the TikTok videos and stuff like that. Do you help out with the new media in terms of like social media sites or do you only focus on publications? So with them, I only focus on publication, but um, uh, that's something I do um, with other artists and labels. Uh, when I'm doing that with Korean artists, it's uh, mainly because they might want to have some posts in, in English or they're looking for some ideas. Uh, like with, with some artists, we did some uh, dance contests, um, th those kind of things. It's it's when they are really trying to target people outside of Korea and they might not have someone on the team that speaks proper English or who knows what's working outside of Korea. All right. Well, thank you so much, Lori, for hanging out with us today. Um, is there anything else you'd like to plug? I know you're working with a couple of artists. Um, you can plug them or you can plug yourself as well. Well, not not, not really. Just uh, listen to Trendy. Uh They are the, yeah, the Korean artists I'm working with um, at the moment. I'm also working with some French artists, but... It might be too hard to find our names, so that's completely fine. <laughs> I've had a lot of people recently uh, contacting me on, on my socials or on LinkedIn because they had some questions about uh, my background. So I'm happy to answer any questions they may have. So I, I'm going to give you all my links and maybe you can uh, add them in the description. So totally. that's going to be perfect. And 
just anyone, feel free to reach out to me. And uh, also, if you're looking for a publicist, just reach out to me. It's LR Music, but music in the, the French spelling. Oh. So M-U-S-I-Q-U-E. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you to everyone for listening. Everyone go check out Trenzy's new single, New Days, and the album Blue Set Chapter, New Days. And let us know what other aspects of the music industry you'd like to hear about. You can hang out with us and the crew on Patreon, and you can comment below or message us at CCTV Pops on social media. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and turn on notifications for our YouTube channel. And if you're enjoying the show on a podcast platform, please give us a follow, rating, and review. Until next time, that's Shan. That's Girls. And that's Lori. <laughs> we are CCTV, the nonstop pop show. Bye.